Thanks for joining us on part two of Brian's Waters episode of the Funeral Cast. Stay tuned for the conclusion of our discussion on good cemetery behaviors and abandoned funeral homes. But first, a word from our sponsor. Hi, everybody. I'm sure as an embalmer, the first thing you do when you get to the funeral home is to check on your embalmings from the previous day. Each time you walk into the prep room, you take a moment to hold your breath and hope that you don't see the effects of organisms post-embalming. If this is you, we can help. Bridget Stop has an active ingredient that targets bacteria, including Clostridium perfringens, by drying out its cellular membrane and allowing formaldehyde to do its work. It doesn't only have this effect on microorganisms either. It will also kill maggots either through arterial injection or topical application. The ingredients in Stop are also found in the mixture of 36 plus and premium cavity fluid as well. If you are looking for an insurance policy for your prep room so you can breathe easy when coming into work the next day, visit frigidfluid.com today and pick up a case or two. Quick note on the show, we do discuss the conference being April 19th through the 21st. That date has changed since the episode date. We are now having the Embalm Better Conference April 20th through the 22nd, simply pushing it back a day. Oh yeah, it's also good for seven CE hours in Illinois. So we look forward to seeing you there. Yeah, it's tough. So yeah, because there definitely are people that want to use it as an aesthetic for, um, I don't know, just whatever personal gain or to be edgy and shocking. And people are doing kind of suggestive or unseemly things with just random people's headstones and cemeteries and things like that too, you know, and you see people on the internet doing that, just trying to be cool. And like, obviously for us, it's disrespectful, but it's also like, that's really not that shocking. You know, it's just like normal kind of looking headstone. Um, and you chose that one, you know, I don't know. So Yeah. Right. You know, I, I hope that with the development of some new kind of like headstone ideas, headstones with QR codes and video playback and apps that you could connect to and things like that, um, that people will like come to the cemetery. Right. And who knows? Like people might say, can we make mine a Pokemon spot or whatever, where like come to my grave and catch a charizard or whatever <laughs> i love the idea of the qr code you could read their obituary possibly see a memorial video or a slideshow i mean how cool could that be sign a guest register right yeah, something absolutely. like that yeah because every time you go to a military cemetery in europe there's a guest log that you can sign a hard copy but how cool would that be to sign a register per stone wow well, and if you could do it in a sense where it's like augmented reality, so the flowers on the grave or any other decorations are there when you sign into an app and you look at it, rather than like, you know, I'm all for putting flowers and stuff on cemeteries, but like that also creates garbage, you know, yeah. like with the wrappers and all that kind of stuff. So what if we decorated the graves virtually and the family could even be like, oh, let me look at what grandpa's grave looks like and like arrange the flowers that have been left around it and you know change the aesthetic and oh it's the holidays so maybe put some christmas decorations like you know one of the things in 2016 when the cubs won the world series i mean 
there was 108 years where they did not win a World Series. Like, I personally involved a woman who was honored on the field at Wrigley Field for being the oldest known Cubs fan. And she was 103, right? <laughs> so um, a lot of people... When the one World Series was going on, one of the stories that would come out was that they took the radio to the cemetery and they sat at people's graves and listened to the um, listened to the game. And uh, afterwards, like <laughs> one of the things that people did was that they would take like decals and stuff and stick them on the walls of mausoleums and gravestones and stuff against cemetery rules right so like um you know that way the cemetery could with a virtual reality or augmented reality like the cemeteries could like be like this is what our aesthetic needs to look like but this you could do whatever you want to the actual like augmented reality version of the grave you know so cool. Yeah. So then people can stay connected. Right. And especially in the age of cremation. And um, that's kind of going to lead us into our next topic. Like people need to um, do things with cremated remains. Right. Rather than leaving them at the funeral home. So the other topic that I sent you all was I'm not going to uh, name the funeral home specifically, but it was an article about a abandoned funeral home that over a hundred cremated remains found in, in an abandoned funeral home. Now to the general public, this is certainly shocking information, right? What are all these cremated remains doing in there? But to the three of us, this is not surprising at all, right? Like this is something that I think that we could all weigh in on. That's kind of a universal problem. Wouldn't you say that pretty much anywhere you go, um, this is going to happen, right? Yeah, this this shouldn't be surprising to anyone. And bottom line, it comes down to funeral directors have a heart. And that's why we have cremated remains in our building. Um, the reason is because pretty much everywhere legally, we on our paperwork, we can dispose of unclaimed cremated remains in any legal fashion. Generally, every state's going to have that rule. And it could be anywhere from 30 to 90 days, maybe 120, depending on the state. It's not a very long time. So if you just forget, get busy, you just can't get there, you know, after you get a letter, hey, mom's going to be gone and you don't get there, we could dispose of mom and or dad. And then we don't have them anymore. And we know we never want a family to walk in the door and they think of it now. They want to do something now. And they just couldn't bring themselves to do it. And they walk in the door and we're like, I'm sorry, we sent you a letter. Mom's now scattered in the river. And that's a terrible message to say that we've scattered someone else's loved one. So we would rather put them on a shelf, protect them with the hopes that they will be returned. And then maybe we have an idea in our head. Well, you know, we're, we're going to retire. And before I retire, maybe I'll take care of all the old cremains. And then I just die. I didn't get it done. Well, of course, there are going to be cremated remains there. I mean, this, this shouldn't be surprising. But, you know, the, the fact of the matter that people will dispose of their dead and then they're done. They do not have they many folks do not have a personal attachment to cremated remains. And that's why they remain there. And funeral directors save them just in case. And that's why they do it, even though they shouldn't. We all know that they shouldn't do it. It's a not a great practice, I, but I do it, too. Totally. Dana, what's your thoughts on maybe why this is kind of commonplace? Um, well, I definitely agree with what Brian said. Like, you know, it, it we have a heart. So, of course, we, we're not going to just throw them away or, you know, 
spread them. But also I've heard and I've heard families um, that may be experiencing like this is their first cremation in the family. And they're like they have literally asked me, what are what am I supposed to do with these ashes? Like, what do you what? I don't want them. Like, I don't want them in my house. I don't want them in my car. They're like kind of spooked out about it. Like they're thinking of the actual person. Like, I don't want to. I don't want that around me. Like they've literally said that. So it's like they have to go through their whole family to see who wants to take these ashes. And, you know, we hold on to them until they figure it out. If they figure that out, because yeah. sometimes it's like no one wants them. Yeah. You make a great point there is that sometimes to us as funeral directors, I think that sometimes we forget that cremated remains are human remains. Right. right? And so when you have a funeral home, like this one that's abandoned and a hundred cremated remains are there, that's a hundred unaccounted for bodies, right? So, um, which that's a huge amount. You know, I first heard from Barbara Chemist about having a conversation with families that was phrased in the 5, 15, and 50 uh, rule, right? Because I think that sometimes with funeral directors, the after the disposition takes place, the conversation kind of stops, right? But her point was, what are you going to do with the person in five years, right? Okay, they're probably going to be with me, you know, they'll be on my shelf or mantle or whatever. Okay, what are you going to do in 15 years? Well, you know, hypothetically, depending on the age of the person with the cremated remains, probably still with them somewhere, you know, or whatever. Okay, so what are you going to do in 50 years, right? Because now like you're probably outliving your life expectancy and now there's these cremated remains that are going to end up at an estate sale or goodwill or something like that right so like maybe just one way that we could kind of um help clear out our own stores is to remind people of that in fact there's a law in illinois that all cremated remains have to be buried at some point right? It's like, it's, it's like not enforced, right? And I didn't even realize it until a couple of years ago that this was actually a law because, you know, we gave people their cremated remains. And of course our funeral home had the ones that we we're holding on for people. And so I like, okay, this is what we do, but yeah, it, it actually, so like anyone that was found, for example, at, um, at uh, Goodwill, then it should be buried. Like, that's the law here. And people are even shocked when I tell them, like, seasoned funeral directors for decades. Oh, that can't be true. It is. That's the law here, at least in Illinois. Um, and, you know, the other thing is, I think that erroneously people believe that they can't pick up their loved one if they haven't paid. So um, oh, I man. think that, you know, a lot of times people don't pay for the services and think, well, I can't pick up the person because I haven't paid, right? And either it's out of like, you know, embarrassment that they, they haven't paid or they like literally think like, this is proof of our transaction finishing. So I can't quote unquote, buy the tangible part of this service or receive the tangible part of the service without paying, right? So I, I have to imagine that a lot of funeral homes have these um, sitting on their shelves just simply because of that reason too, Yeah. You know? Um, well, in, in this particular article, one of the things that shocked me um, was that the people who worked at the funeral home seem to have just been raptured, right? I mean, there are pictures of caskets that look clean and new that are open for casketing people, right? Um, you know, there are other 
pictures of caskets, but like also there's an embalming machine that is filled with embalming fluid. So it was like literally the people were like, okay, you guys, we're done here. And they just stopped what they were doing and walked out the door, you know, and left all of this stuff kind of set up. So my question to you, my first question on this to you is, say you are a funeral home that is going out of business. What are your responsibilities to like cleanly take care of this? Dana, what do you think? Your funeral home's going out of business, which it never will because afterlife mortuary services available in the Memphis area is an excellent choice and will last forever. So um, this is just a hypothetical question for you, Dana. Um, well, I definitely, like in the past, uh, I have heard of funeral homes here going out of business. And what they did was basically transfer all of their um, pre-made remains, uh, pre-needs, all of those things. They transferred it to another funeral home, another local funeral home. And they made it publicly known, you know, where they were taking these things to because, I'm not exactly sure of the exact law, but I want to say it's like five or seven years here in Tennessee that we have to keep the cremated remains at the funeral home. Wow. That's it's a long a, time. It's a long time, like, uh, especially when they're unclaimed. Like, you know, you don't have anybody that. So I think, yeah. And then after that, you're able to bury them at the cemetery at your own expense, of course. But, um, yeah, so I, it's definitely important to have a succession plan for your business uh, so that you won't have a news article. As yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, that, yeah. One way to smoothly do it is to definitely sign an agreement with the local funeral home that's still staying in business and transfer everything to them if they're willing. Yeah. You know, you bring up an interesting point about the pre-needs, too. Just based on what you see in this funeral home, you have to wonder, there's got to be a bunch of paperwork that's unfinished just sitting there, too. And these families might not understand, like, they're not pre-needed with the funeral home, but they're pre-needed with a trust or an insurance company. So now they don't necessarily know how to, like, gain their money again, you know, and the fact that, okay, well, now grandma is dead and we have this funeral that we bought already, but the funeral home's out of business. So, Brian, what about you? What do you think our responsibilities are as funeral directors when it comes to shutting down a funeral home properly? Yeah, I think generally speaking, when people are living, generally speaking, people will shut down their funeral home properly. They will dispose of whatever human remains, and I'm talking cremated remains, generally are still within your present premises, you know, and that we're going to do that, generally speaking. I think the problems arise is when you have a death of, you know, a matriarch or patriarch of a family and they're the only funeral director and no one else knows how to do anything. And that's when these rapture situations happen and there are all these cremated remains. So what happens then? Generally speaking, you're going to have local funeral homes probably come together with the help of a state agency to, to sort this problem out. And then and then your, your other funeral directors, because we're living, we're going to be responsible and see this through. So, you know, you've got 100 sets of cremains. There's probably going to be notices in the newspaper. Letters will be sent out, and then we'll try to make contact. There'll be some time passed. And then after a certain amount of time, these places, these people will have a final resting spot at someone's expense. But funeral directors will see that it's taken through. And that is done without fanfare, spotlight, photographs, or holding a big check type of thing. We're not getting a pat on the back. We're just seeing that the right thing is done. Yeah, you know, and um, um, 
it's a lot of times, sometimes when you think about these abandoned funeral homes, it's an indicative of like bad business practice in general, right? Where it's just like uh, the door shut, you know, because it seems like these people came to work and the doors were locked, right? right? Because like, you know, to me, like having, it, it just having a tank full of embalming fluid just sitting there, right? Um, it, it seems like like literally these people walked away for a smoke or lunch and came back and, and couldn't like do anything now. I look at that, Ben, and, and you've got photographers that have gained access to the funeral home, and we see that the funeral home is well-stocked. If there's clean caskets that a photographer can open up for display – I'm sure there was a bottle of fluid sitting there that he could pour. He or she could pour in a, an embalming fluid and say, look, now this is creepy. We don't know. Uh, That's the situation, a good point. Yeah. The situation seems really sad. There's not enough information to know. It's it's just too bad. I, I, I just think we need to say to folks, pick up your loved one. Um, we encourage you to do that. Yeah, that's a good point. Some of those photographs probably are staged, but yeah. that kind of moves to my second point here. Like, like the public health, right? They find out that a funeral home is being shut down and the doors are shuttered or is abandoned, right? Because it's not like a secret that like all of a sudden, like, you know, they fly so far, we fly so far under the radar that suddenly this business that handled dead people isn't there anymore. I feel like there should be some protocol just for the matter of public health, because like, I mean, obviously cremated remains are safe to handle by anyone, right? But, you know, there was one in Chicago where they were searching through the ceilings and found like uh, baby fetuses. Yeah. So like there's actual like tissue that's decomposing. And then, you know, in the case of embalming fluid, like that stuff is um, volatile if people get a hold of it and use it for like you know, drugs, you know, so it seems like to me that there should be a like a, a, a run through by the coroner's office or something, you know, um, to take a look um, at these funeral homes when they close down. Yeah, Ben, uh, that's a good point. I think I think if um, a legislature would empower. Uh, either a state board and a you know to work with an association, you know we we've got the assets to do it. I mean we could form a group uh, within a state of a couple people. Hey, this funeral home's closed down, you know it's abandoned or whatnot. We're going to send the team uh, to go in and just make sure the biohazards disposed of, uh, what formaldehyde's been gathered and taken and uh, and whatnot. But hey guys, I have an appointment. I just walked in the door. I'm going to do my stump the chump and I got to go. Ben, real quick. The question is, where was the first crematory in the United States? What city and what state? Uh, it was in Pennsylvania. Um, and it was in, oh my gosh, um, Bear Lemoyne's the first person cremated there. I can't remember. What's the name of the city? Washington, Pennsylvania. Washington, Pennsylvania. Oh, yeah. My students would hate me. All right. Well, Brian's got to go because he's got to do his... Um, actual duty um so we'll plug him real quick he's going to be a presenter at the embalm better conference uh april 19th through the 23rd 2023 um you can also uh find him on undertaking the podcast which is a very prolific podcast in our industry and is good for you if you are even not a funeral director educational and yeah. um thoughtful dana any last thoughts on the uh, uh the conference before we go 
Um, well, I'm definitely looking forward to it. I hate to hear that you're not going to be there, but I know we'll run into each other somewhere this year out of all of the destinations that we have on the calendar. But um, I definitely would encourage anyone that's able to come to participate. It's a very fun and learning experience. And like I said, lots of networking. And like I said, I'm connected with a lot of people that I've met over the last couple of years at the conferences. So it's been a very, very positive experience. Yeah, I think it would be great. Um, I, and it's it looks like fun. I mean, obviously, we're a fun group. So come hang out with us in Cancun. All right. Uh, head on. You can register there at embalmbetter.com. Yes. All right. Well, we'll see you next time on the uh, funeral cast. Would you like to share your thoughts on any of the topics we discussed today? We'd love to hear them. Email your thoughts to B. Schmidt. That's B-S-C-H-M-I-D-T at frigidfluid.com and I'll read them on the show. <laughs>